Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, pick and roll! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply. All right, welcome everyone to our Selection Sunday March Madness Men's Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Katz. Wow, it has been a Sunday. I was here in Indianapolis for the Big Ten Tournament title game between Iowa and Purdue. Uh, it was something, no question about it. What a event. Great turnout, great fans. And then we went right into the bracket. I think we're going to have a great March Madness. No question about it. My overall reaction is... I'm not totally surprised by anything. Uh, you know, look, when we did our bracket on Sunday in Selection Sunday, I had Wyoming out, okay? This is pre-Richmond. I had AM in. What we will find out when we talk to Tom Burnett, who's the chair of the Selection Committee, Texas A&M was not next up. They ended up losing to Tennessee, but it was not AM on the doorstep, which surprised me a little. We'll find out from Tom Burnett how that order went from the teams that were next to come into the field. So that was a little surprising. So I feel like we did pretty good in our bracket projections. So the first four, always a lot of debate about that. Rutgers, Notre Dame, Wyoming, Indiana. I don't have any problem with that. Notre Dame, obviously the last team in. Uh, Rutgers, we thought would be that second to last team. And Wyoming and Indiana, you know, Wyoming, I'm glad they're in. I'm an old whack guy. I covered the whack for years. I'm very happy to see four from the Mountain West in. But I thought their resume was a little light, but at the same time, I can understand why they went with Wyoming based on numbers and consistency over AM. But they AM wasn't even the next one in. So <laughs> there you go. Uh, number one seeds, Gonzaga, Arizona, Kansas, Baylor. We kind of knew that. We'll talk to Tom Burnett about the Gonzaga, Arizona difference. How close was it? I'm not totally shocked that it was Gonzaga over Arizona, but uh, you know, if they'd flipped it, that wouldn't have been surprising either. And then the two seeds, Kentucky, Auburn, no surprise there, Villanova, and Duke. Duke is the surprise. I mean, Duke does have the win over Gonzaga and the win over Kentucky. So the question was, could Tennessee have passed them by winning the SEC? Clearly they couldn't. Could Purdue have won it, pass them? Had they been champs of the Big Ten? That wasn't answered. So overall, Duke's numbers and winning the ACC regular season title got them that two seed. Look, overall, I will tell you, and we're going to break down this bracket later on Monday, but I think the Gonzaga region, you know, with Duke, no question, uh, and others could be a problem. But to me, Baylor and Kansas may have the toughest slog to get to New Orleans because I like Purdue and Iowa and those sides. Auburn obviously can beat them. They could knock off a number one in Kansas. And then obviously Kentucky can get there. You know, UCLA played in the Final Four. It's the same team. They could get there. So I, I think, and Purdue, of course, I think it might be harder for Baylor and Kansas. We'll, we shall see. Arizona, they've just got great size, great strength. So we'll talk about this on Monday. But I, I, I'll be honest, I'm not, I, I'm not disappointed really by anything here. I, I, you know, I think, I feel like it's balanced. 
we'll see how it all plays out. So let's get to Tom Burnett. He's the committee chair. He will break it down. He was in the room. I was in the room earlier in the week, but not to do any bracketing or seating. Uh, bracketing all took place, uh, you know, on Sunday. Um, but um, Tom Burnett, the chair of the selection committee. Here he is. Tom, it's been quite a week. Unbelievable games since I saw you in person earlier in the week here in Indianapolis. First, I just want to get your overall thought on the bracket itself. You know, now that you you see it, it's like you're creating something out of nothing and you can hold it. Uh, what, what are your thoughts when you, when you, when you, you know, see the bracket? Well, certainly having done this for five years and you come to the, the conclusion of, of the process, you're, you're very gratified. Feel very good about what our committee's done, certainly uh, over the past few days and throughout the year, obviously. So don't uh, have any reservations as, as it relates to the experience. Uh, it, it's been great. It's been positive. And certainly it was challenging. Uh, you know, certainly we had a lot of things going on here up until uh, today when we released the bracket. We were very busy observing games having a lot of back and forth. We had about uh, 10 contingencies uh, earlier in the day. And of course, whittled those down to a couple. And then of course, the final bracket that everyone saw. So it's been hectic. It's been busy. Uh, it's really been nonstop since earlier this week. All right. So let's deal with the contingency. Obviously, the biggest one was the Atlantic 10. Richmond Davidson came down to the wire. What were the contingencies? Richmond wins. What did that mean? Had Richmond lost? What did that mean? Well, you know, certainly uh, in the end, you know, Richmond had to play their way in. This was the, how Richmond could get into the tournament. And, of course, they did win and, and beat Davidson. Certainly Dayton was that next team out, as we've seen, uh, the first team out. So, you know, certainly Dayton being out is a result of Richmond winning the A-10 tournament. Help me out beyond Dayton. What was that list like beyond that? Well, the other, the, the next three out were SMU, Texas A&M, and Oklahoma. Uh, in our deliberations, all very strongly in consideration. You know, we're watching Texas A&M make a terrific run to the SEC tournament final, and that factored into a lot of our, you know, discussion all the way down to the very end uh, when we, we came up with the final bracket. So uh, Aggies did a great job down the stretch, that's for sure. So to that point, I love to reiterate the bracketing principles here. Because Richmond won, they could not be an AQ in Dayton in the first four what changes, if any, did you have to make in the first four because of Richmond winning? Or was the Wyoming, Indiana, Rutgers, Notre Dame, what you had even before that game between Richmond and Davidson? Certainly, I don't know that it was a Richmond issue as much as it was maybe there was a group of Big Ten teams that came in toward the end. And you certainly you may have had a situation where teams would have played each other again in the first four. And as you well know, we, we try to keep conference teams separate from one another. Also, too, we had a, a situation, Indiana had played Notre Dame earlier this year. So that could have been a first four matchup as well. So not a lot of manipulation there at the end, but certainly, you know, the committee has the, the ability to flex a little bit and, and change some things up to ensure that we keep uh, conference teams separate. Try not to have rematches from the regular season. So, a little bit of complication as we were going through our contingencies. Some other results might have impacted that as well. Yeah, so let me just deal with that. I mean, had A&M beaten Tennessee, what would that have done? Well, I think what we what we would tell you is that Tennessee's win got Notre Dame into the bracket. Notre Dame was the last team into the bracket. So had A&M won, that would have bumped Notre Dame off the list as well. All right, so that was the contingencies. Now just overall here in terms of just a couple of quick things I'm just curious of. You know, nine Big Ten teams, obviously not easy to separate as much as you could. 
How did you decide on the Indianapolis subregion? Because we know there are so many teams that are close to Indy. And you could have gone in a number of different directions. You know, you've got Kentucky and Tennessee. You easily could have, in some scenario, had Purdue. Maybe if Iowa was higher, it could have been them. But what, what was in the thought process of Indianapolis? Well, as it relates to one specific site, and we'll take Indianapolis as the example here, the bracketing process, once the seed line is set and we begin to bracket, that, that becomes somewhat automated, uh, paying attention to those bracketing principles. So we don't really sit down and, and talk about, okay, what's the collection of uh, teams we want to have in Indy or any other location? It really comes down certainly to mileage and proximity to a site and ultimately, you know, the seated positions that uh, fit the, the Indianapolis first and second round site. So nothing really deliberate by the committee. We kind of let the process take over in somewhat of an automated fashion as all of us kind of monitor that uh, process here on Selection Sunday. You know, one team in your first four that you talked about was Indiana. And we talk so much about each game meaning something, regardless if it's in the conference tournament or any time of the year. And Indiana beat Michigan. And then, you know, they get to the semifinal. They beat Michigan and Illinois. Those wins individually, whether they happened in March or they happened in November, are good wins. But how did Indiana, as a good example, sort of progress throughout the course of the week as they're playing good teams and winning? Well, they had the attention of the committee, that's for sure, as we're watching a, you know, another great tournament run by Indiana. But, you know, we've been tracking on the Hoosiers all year long. So it wasn't as if we just discovered Indiana this week. You know, I think in the end, um, you know, they, they kind of came in late. There was kind of a group of Big Ten teams, Michigan, Rutgers, Indiana, that were kind of collected toward the end of the teams we were bringing in. And, you know, certainly had to sort them out through the scrubbing process. And then we landed where we did. All right. Last two things for you. And I appreciate your time. First off, how close was it between Gonzaga and Arizona for the number one overall seed? You know, I, I think we had referenced that back at the bracket reveal a few weeks ago. And, and, and I would say that both teams have continued to do very well. And, you know, it, it was close. I, I don't know that the committee was in a different place other than Gonzaga being a clear number one overall seed. But Arizona, a very strong number two, and certainly you had the two Big 12 teams right after that. So I would say both were very solid in their positions. And the last one that sort of jumped out, and you know, I'm just curious about Tennessee. They win the SEC. I'm just curious how close they were to getting to the two line as a three. Well, I think very close in, in the deliberation. I think also, too, you know, we don't, we can't look at Tennessee by themselves. We've got to consider the other teams on the seed line that are next to them. As you'll see, Wisconsin is, is just ahead of them. And, you know, I think the committee, like Tennessee, thought very well of Wisconsin as well in honoring their record this year and, and their performance. And you can't just pick Tennessee up off of uh, one line and move them, you know, over to another one. You've got to scrub up against the teams next to you. And I think the committee felt that Wisconsin, you know, scrubbed better than Tennessee at this moment in time. But, you know, that's all part of the great argument ahead. Um, you know, who's going to do well and uh, who's going to play their best. Tom, I appreciate it. You know, I love all this stuff. And we got a great month ahead. Wonderful job. Take a breath. You're not playing tomorrow, so that's good. But just uh, <laughs> relax at least for a day or two before we go into the grind. Thank you. Thank you, Andy. Andy Katz, that guy will rank his wife's dinners. He'll rank anything. And now for Katz Ranks, my top 10 players on double-digit seeds. All right, got some brand names in here. Trace Jackson Davis, number one. Indiana's a 12. I mean, he's an All-American type player and certainly can lead Indiana a couple rounds in this tournament. 
two, Hunter Dickinson from Michigan. They're an 11. Certainly, he's one of the best bigs in the country. So he qualifies on a double-digit seed to be one of the best bigs, one of the best players. Number three, staying with that trend in the Big Ten, Ron Harper Jr. from Rutgers. Rutgers at 11, playing in that first four game in Dayton like Indiana, not against each other. No question, Ron Harper Jr. is one of the better players on a double-digit seed, without question. All right, number four, Isaiah Brockington from Iowa State. Transfer from Penn State to Iowa State, helped lead the Cyclones to the NCAA tournament. They're an 11 seed. Number five, Keve Aluma, leading scorer for Virginia Tech, 11 seed, winners of the ACC tournament title. He was a preseason ACC player of the year, and he's on a double-digit seed. Number six, Blake Wesley from Notre Dame. They're an 11 seed. They are taking on Rutgers in the first four. He's an outstanding guard who can make plays. That's going to be a great matchup, I think, if the Irish are playing well. Next up, Jamari Bouye from San Francisco. They're a 10 seed. Great score. Plays off Khalil Shabazz in the backcourt. And so, look, San Francisco, which takes on, you know, Murray State in a 7-10. Interesting matchup. I like that one. I like uh, Bouye. I think, uh, I mean, I'm going to go with Murray probably, but Bouye, outstanding player. Cameron Mugusti from Miami of Florida, 10 seed, leading scorer, 17 a game. He belongs on this list. Richmond at number nine, Jacob Gilliard from Richmond. They're a 12 seed. They won the A-10 tournament title on Sunday. He is arguably the best perimeter hawker, if you will, outside of Caleb McConnell because he's the leading steals getter in the country all time. And then I'm going to go a one-bid league team. Ryan Davis from Vermont, player of the year in the America East. Vermont takes on Arkansas. He's got a teammate, Ben Shungu, who can play well. But I think Ryan Davis from Vermont certainly belongs on this list. Look, there's plenty of other players I could put on here. But for these purposes here, entering the first round and the first four, I'm going with this list, top 10 players on double-digit seeds. All right, so that'll wrap up our March Madness Selection Sunday special. Hope you enjoyed the Burnett interview and ranks. We're going to dive deeper into this podcast topic on Monday for Tuesday uh, so you can hear picks and all sorts of things. And hopefully you can go to NCAA Digital and March Madness Men's Basketball and see all my selections that we will talk about again uh, when I've had a little bit more time to think about it. Anyway, great team that we've got, Abby Stoltz. Everyone at Turner Sports, Bleacher Report, NCAA.com. Appreciate everyone. Go to at March Madness MBB for all our content. Thanks for listening, everyone.